Welcome everyone to Polk and Kush. It is Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023, and this is your August show. Yeah, we switched to the monthlies until uh, I think something uh, happens. I think that would be the catalyst in us doing shows again, because the people spoke. Yes. They said... We don't want to hear you guys complain about traffic lights anymore. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to hear you talk about how Adam Troutman looked incredible <laughs> at the training camps. We don't want to hear about how hot it is. We want the nitty gritty Saints and Pelicans when it's actually happening. Yeah. And I would say that currently not happening. Not happening. And uh, despite what you read uh, locally, which is, you know, like breathless coverage of training camp, which we'll certainly get to. Um, this is not real. None of this is real. That you're you're listening, you're you're reading practice reports of the Saints playing against each other. Yeah, and of course you can find positives in that. And uh, this is this is fodder for the mouth breathers, is what I think training camp is. I've covered a lot of training camps in my life, mostly for college, and uh, and really all they are is just an opportunity to sell hope. To your readers. <laughs> We're in the uh, opposite of that. Yeah. We do. We sell doom and gloom. We are the Oppenheimer to the Barbie coverage. It is a, it's a worse business to be in. I'll put it that yeah. Way. Yeah. There is, uh, you know, ample time to worry about losing. And so everyone right now just, you know, uh, assumes the best. So what you read instead of like, oh, you know, X, Y, and Z is a problem. It's here was the play of the day. Look who had a great play. <laughs> They're all wearing the poo hats. Yeah, it's like everybody looked awesome. Uh, and that's really not a shot at anyone. I don't think it's really even limited to New Orleans of, of that. You know, I think New York, Philly. So there are some places that will be hard. But for the most part, people in late July, early August are basically selling the idea that their team could be a lot better than they probably are. Yeah, we're not doing that, though. No, I don't see any reason to do that. But in the meantime, it's been a few weeks. Uh, you've been traveling all over the place. Have you been? <laughs> I went to Ruston this uh, yeah, weekend. Yeah, world traveler. I went uh, both ways. I went uh, up through Baton Rouge. Ooh. Went through Pineville. They've oh, got a man. Dairy Queen there that serves red beans. Beautiful. Um. Then I got to Ruston. You ask everybody, what's new? And the answer is fast food. <laughs> uh, there's a Bojangles there. It's, it's in slowly encroaching its way into Louisiana. It's, it's there. Um, they might be trying to beat the Bucky's Rush. I don't know. But it's the closest one. I think there might be one in like Pensacola or Tallahassee or somewhere. Okay. But uh, did go to Bojangles. Thoughts? Uh, I'd had it before. Mm -hmm. Biscuit, pretty good. Yeah. Chicken, pretty good. I got the Patriot Pack. It's like the Chris Kyle... <laughs> It was, I swear to God, it was called like the Bow Patriot Pack. No way. It was the size of, it was the size of like 
the dog from Beethoven, <laughs> and it looked like a flag. And then on the side, it's like a dollar of this went to Chris Dorner's uh, memorial fund. And you're like, oh, shit. I didn't realize that Bojangles was... See, they're more militaristic, whereas uh, Chick-fil-A is more Christian. Yeah, and even that's been kind of beaten out of Chick-fil-A as they've continued to grow. Yeah. I feel like they're much less Jesus-y. Bojangles, there was like one outside Knoxville when I was in school there, and it was like a, a trek you would like make the trek to Bojangles because it, oh, yeah. it was such a diamond in the rough. I guess they're based out of North Carolina. Yeah, I feel like that's where I first. I think I went to Wilmington, and there was there was that was my first experience yeah. with it. Everybody, it's a great name. Everybody, is it? I feel like it's I think a Mr. little inappropriate. Mr. Bojangles, I think it's a great name. Maybe so. <laughs> I think it's a great name. Uh, more so, I mean, you know, the amount of places that just sell fried chicken and all manage to survive. It, it, it's truly remarkable that this is like. I feel like fried chicken has taken the mantle of hamburgers as being the food that's going to kill this country. I feel like you can go two ways with this. You can go, well, it's a testament to how good fried chicken is, or it is a testament to how beaten down and (laughs) sick and tired everyone is. And they're just like, I don't, I can't even think of an order. Just give me chicken strips like I'm a five-year-old on a school bus. There used to be a very small handful of places you could get chicken fingers. Like, Chili's sold chicken fingers. Like, there was, and most, and then McDonald's sold, like, chicken nuggets. Yeah, they still do. Yeah, I know, but, like, it wasn't, like, now there are, like, 12 giant chains all of whom serve fried chicken. Zaxby's, Cane's, Popeye's, Churches, Bojangles, uh, Bojangles uh, Southern Classic, Gus's Brothers. Yeah, Brothers. We'll count it. Brothers, the in the gas station. Yeah, yeah, that counts. That counts. Yeah, sure. And and Gus's. There's like a lot of those now too. It's wild, man. We've cracked the secret to America, which is. As our prosperity of living has gone up, we've turned more to fried chicken <laughs> because we've realized that making more money as a country is only making us sadder. And yeah. therefore, we need the endorphin rush of more chicken. Well, eating chicken wasn't the only thing I did on the trip. I, it, but it was the highlight. It was definitely the highlight. <laughs> I went to the casino with my enfeebled parents. Did you win? Uh, my mother won. Uh, slots? She plays slots. Big slot lady. Uh, there were horse races. There were... I remember going to this place. It was Louisiana Downs in Shreveport. I went here as a kid. I went here in like 1994, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. And it was fucking packed. Yeah. And it's it's big. I feel like it's bigger than the, than the fairgrounds in New Orleans. Every single seat on the inside and the huge glass thing filled up. Yeah. Uh, this time there were 18 people. <laughs> And it's like opening day, free hot dogs, wiener dog races, cowboy mouth is playing. There were nine people there. There were nine people in 11 rascal scooters. Yeah, no, no one goes to stuff anymore, man. No. Like it is, uh, unless you're like a big deal nationally, like you know, the NFL, or it's, it's very hard in a lot of these areas to get people to show up for stuff. Yeah, there's nothing else going on in no. this neck of the woods. What are people in Arcadia doing? <laughs> Go gamble on the ponies. I won $21. That's exciting. Um, and that was about it. On uh, What was the name of the horse? I have no idea. Come on, man. Uh, 
Jimmelson's uh, <laughs> nude criteria. Uh, the jockey was, of course, uh, Daryl Kushner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your stepbrother. Very famous yes. uh, in the horse racing community. Uh, well, I got to see you briefly. That was nice. Yeah, we went to Galatoire's. It was my first time. Yeah. I was wearing a tank top. <laughs> it was a, a nice Friday lunch. I think you caught us four hours deep. For your cameo? Yeah. Uh, you, I got there at 10 a.m. And uh, you guys had been drinking for four hours at that point. Yeah, it was. I'd never been to Galatoire's before. Uh, they don't like my type. They, they, the people kept coming up to me like, aren't you supposed to be washing dishes in the back? Uh, it was fun, though. Uh, old Morton Anderson was in there. Yeah, that was great. Coolest guy in the joint. And uh, then there were like nine tables of uh Women dressed up like Barbie going to see Barbie. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing, but yeah, there was a lot of it. Was it's just the it's the loudest restaurant on earth. I didn't know if that was just us no, that's or that normal. day. Okay, it was chaos. I fucking hated it. It's I hated it so much. It's unquestionably <laughs> louder than a Pelicans game. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's fun in that regard that you're. It's just basically a crowded bar. Yeah, that's dressed up like a nice restaurant everyone was absolutely demolished not yeah. everybody at our table everybody in there was fall down drunk yes that's kind of the goal the servers the yeah. guy that took my coat who didn't work there i think it was that chewbacca guy uh but no it was fun it was good to see you and the gang yeah they always you know ask me if i'm gay and <laughs> pinch my nipples and tell me i should get one earring Ask you who you voted for. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "Do you are you offended if I do a Chinese voice?" And I'm like, "There's no need to. You don't have to." But no, it's good to see. Good to see the old gang. Yeah, it is. Uh, I like to go do those types of things, like the really popular New Orleans things in the dead of summer. Yeah, because it is. Uh, you know, like I like to go to like Parkway Bakery or go to Galatoire's, like all these places that tourists just flood when the weather is halfway yeah. decent. I like to go there in the absolute dead of summer where the workers there are just like, <laughs> oh, no, are we going to make it this year? <laughs> Do you think this is the year that we finally just don't get through a summer? If you ever go to like a really uh, like a, a, a Paddo's, for example, and they're just so they have their staffed, you know, for all oh, these yeah. people to show up and no one's there because it's. 100 degrees every day and everyone's miserable and it's the walking dead going through the french quarter and uh and then like if you leave like a nice tip you're like the greatest person in the world you do that shit in like mid-november they don't even notice no no one cares about you but in uh in mid-july those we are kings we are kings of royalty what's the, the next the big new orleans thing we should do should we get on the queen mary <laughs> yes we need to take a ferry boat <laughs> go boat fishing a swamp tour could you imagine the misery of being on a swamp Jeez. tour right now it's just got to be like Filipino tourists that had no idea what the season was when they came here. Or like, you know, someone like won a trip to New Orleans from some sort of uh, radio contest. Yeah. Like, oh, you have to go between uh, July 25th and August 3rd. Well, actually, if you win the radio contest, you get tickets to New York. If you lose it, you get tickets to New Orleans. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough scene out there, man. Um, but yeah, this is when we this is when the service workers of the city need your support. So go out and support them. That is uh, always my favorite time <laughs> to do it. Uh, and, you know, there are worse places you could be one 
place would be New Orleans Saints training camp. I think that might be the worst place to be in the entire city. Put on your inflatable emoji poop helmet and head on out to the 110-degree stylings yeah. of Saints training camp. Yeah, I've, I've gone through it at length. I'm not going to go through my uh, annual screed against people who go stand out there and watch training camp and get autographs. I get it. Even if you don't small kids, would you? It's done. It's done. You all know what I, my thoughts on it. <laughs> However, uh, we keep falling into the same trap as an audience uh, of, of fans and, and, and rubes of every year. The reporting that comes out of training camp is almost exclusively things that are positive and injuries. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you hear about is who played well, who got hurt. You never really hear the other side of it ever. And so what happens is after a couple of weeks of this coverage, it metastasizes itself into where you've diluted your own brain because all you've heard is about the positive things that you go, I think the Saints are going to be awesome. Yeah. I I haven't heard one bad thing yet. I think they're going to be really good this year. And then you watch the preseason and even you kind of forget if they lose in the preseason. Mm-hmm. You're like or you know they get, they suck early. Like, eh, whatever. Like that doesn't count. And then they play well in the preseason and it's like, "Oh my oh, god. Yeah. Did you see Chris Ivory in the preseason? He might make the Hall of Fame." <laughs> <laughs> I really did think he was going to be great. <laughs> he had a great preseason. I mean, we thought Ian Book was going to be spectacular. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going no, that far. No, no, he had he had played the worst preseason games I've ever seen in my life. Um, but yeah, it happens every year, and it is uh, it's become just an annual tradition, and people keep falling for it. And it is the only thing that should matter to fans of this team are like the three or four holes that they have in various positions. How's Michael Thomas doing? And <laughs> they play the easiest schedule probably in the NFL. And that that is what matters. And uh, and that doesn't seem to be talked about at all. No. And who are, who's going to the training camp right now? Is it diehard fans or is it the janitor that won the raffle? <laughs> You got to really like the team. Do you think? Do you're you not think, watching anything? No. But do you think local Saints fans, the average local Saints fan, knows that training camp is happening? Do you think they're clicking on that story at the bottom of the newspaper where it's like today's top five plays from training camp? I think people do. Yeah. I, there's nothing <clears throat> else going on, as evidenced by us doing a show. Every other fortnight, <laughs> yeah. um, there's just nothing else the, going on. Uh, the number one play from training camp today was uh, Trevor Penning didn't attack anybody. <laughs> that was the number one. He took off his cleats and tried to stab someone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the only thing I've read with any level of critical eye, and I do think it gets coverage. Like I, I think it gets people... There's nothing to talk about. And so I've gotten texts from people being like, well, it looks like this, whatever's doing really well. Uh, the only person I saw give any level of like nuanced coverage to, and, and it might be happening elsewhere. I just didn't see it. Jeff Duncan uh, basically wrote, he thought Michael Thomas has looked 
uh, rough, which, you know, he's rusty. Yeah. Let's, let's call <clears throat> nice. And we'll call, say he's rusty. Uh, he's probably hobbled. He took a COVID amount of time off. <laughs> Three years. Yeah. He he basically took the same amount of time that Ted Williams did when he went to World War II. Uh, That's how long Michael Thomas has been out for. Uh, Remember how Gordie Howe uh, unretired and played for another 11 years? Yeah, like with his helmet on. Yeah, that could happen in this circumstance, right? Michael Thomas has had three foot surgeries or something in in, uh, three years. I don't know. To expect him to come back and immediately be the same guy would be delusional. Mm-hmm. But people are delusional. So I thought that was a, a cold reality. Uh, he also basically said that Trevor Penning and Brian Brzee, I think it's Brian Brzee, right? The uh, defensive tackle who they drafted, uh, both of them have had some trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's natural as well, that they're not, you know, f- you know, basically jumping off the, the screen. Uh, when you watch camp, uh, and then he said the defense looks slow. And I think that's, Uh-oh. come on. If you don't realize the Saints' defense is slow, and he's the only person I've seen say it, of course the defense is slow. Demario Davis is 100 years old. Tyron Matthew is 200 years old. Marcus May is bad. Like, who else is on the defense that's supposed to be fast? It, Lattimore, I guess, is fast. That's it. Nobody else has any speed on the back end, and they're not that good up front. So it's like, yeah, this should, this you would think would be like kind of the number one thing that everyone would talk about. Like, how does the defense look? Mm-hmm. Are they able to? And they've just been completely ignored. Well, the number one talking point last season and through much of the offseason was the Saints have an elite defense. I feel like elite defense was more of like a uh, when the news was talking about the Saints. Yes. That's something they would say. I don't think podcast or anybody yeah. with a brain would yeah. say <laughs> they were elite. I read a lot of tweets that called them the best roster in the NFL. Last, Winston last, was, season. last season. Correct. When Jameis Winston was starting quarterback. You're not the best roster. <laughs> but now they've got a better quarterback. So I would say even better than the best this season. They didn't lose anybody, right? Just dead weight Andy. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like I am critical of where they are. I think they've, they've made a lot of mistakes from a roster perspective. But it might not matter because I think they've probably had a, a significant enough upgrade mostly because of how bad Andy Dalton, Trevor Simeon, and Jameis Winston were. Mm -hmm. And Derek Carr is a serviceable quarterback, and they play a terrible schedule. And if you're relying on that in the NFL, it's hard because you could never totally predict the league. There's always a couple teams you think are going to be good who suck and the other way around. But if you just look at the quarterbacks they face, they play no one. The best quarterback they're facing is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Who's what? The 10th best quarterback in the NFL? Maybe. Yeah. And so it's like you don't yeah. face any of that top level, like guys who will beat you just through the quarterback. Be- and the quarterback is the most important position by far in the league. But you don't have to face Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to face Patrick Mahomes. You don't even have to face Matthew Stafford or um, freaking Dak Prescott, like even that level you're not facing. Kirk Cousins, I think they avoid almost all of those guys. Mm-hmm. And so it's like th- they just play a pretty crappy crop of quarterbacks, particularly in the division where there's no one 
I mean, literally Tampa, Carolina, and and the Falcons are all basically punting on the concept of having a currently productive NFL quarterback. The Saints are the only ones who have one with any kind of track record. So, yeah, they might win more than they did. They might win enough to make the playoffs, and I think everyone will consider that a huge success. But I, I do think there's a lot of flaws on this team regardless. Well, I think the Saints have punched their ticket to the playoffs just by getting Derek Carr. That's yeah. not a huge – I'm not hugely praising him. Sure. This is the worst division in the NFL far and away. Yeah. The Saints are going to eke out of it. I don't think they're going to have 10 wins. I don't think they're going to have nine wins. Yeah. I think they're going to have enough wins to win the NFC South. Yeah. And for uh, – a, a very hopeless team with the dumbest head coach in the league <laughs> and just kind of some bonehead bozos bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. Is that enough to keep people satiated? Is that enough to keep Dennis Allen's job? Is that enough to bring back Cam Jordan for a 700 season? <laughs> I mean, I think that's all they're going for is the, the low hanging fruit keep people interested, keep the team respectable and hope that with enough veteran guys and if you're healthier and whatever, that you can catch lightning in a bottle and make it to the Super Bowl. And I, I don't think it's totally unreasonable. I the 49ers, I mean, they weren't some, they barely made the playoffs the year before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they were, they have a great roster, but they had no quarterback and they were able to basically get within a sniff of making the Super Bowl unless until everybody got hurt in the playoff game uh, or the NFC Championship. But, yeah, so I do take back. They do play Kirk Cousins. I, that's either him or Trevor Lawrence is the, the best quarterbacks that they face. Everybody else uh, is basically trash. I mean, assuming Matt Stafford is not going to be healthy by week 15, which there's no yeah. chance that guy's playing that late in the season. No. Um, yeah, man, it, it's it is just a schedule that is set up for them to not have to face elite competition. And then you can win. And your competition in the division is so bad that you're like, you could just back into the playoffs. And then all it takes is winning the turnover margin two games in a row. And you're in the NFC championship game. You make it sound very easy. It's I'm just saying it's doable. Bad teams have made the NFC Championship game. That's true. You know, or like not even so much bad, but like mediocre teams for sure. Mm -hmm. The 2006 Saints made the NFC Championship game. That team was shit in most positions. (laughs) You know, they had Drew Brees, but they they were bad in a lot of places. Um, And and it, it doesn't take all that much. So I understand that portion of the strategy. What I don't understand is going through training camp right now and instead of looking at the lack of speed or the fact that Michael Thomas is probably nowhere close to where he needs to be for a team that badly needs weapons, instead we're focusing on Jake Hayner, you know, hitting bombs (laughs) against the third guys who will be driving Uber in a month from now. It's like that is completely unimportant. How many times do we have to talk about the backup quarterback in training camp before we realize that all it means nothing, nothing. And it's like the fifth different backup quarterback we've seen here to get praised heavily in training camp and 
it's to this point has never meant anything. Maybe Jake Hayner will be the the guy who changes everything, but I have a hard time believing it. Polk and Kush is a safe space from praising backup quarterbacks. <laughs> we don't do it. We don't allow it. We don't endorse it. Yeah. I'm not going to play along with it. No. Is the Saints are slow and they're old. Yeah, they're very old. And there's no foundation there. There's no structure. There's no foundation for a winning environment yet. And I don't think Dennis Allen is going to be the guy to bring that culture back to New Orleans. I think this is going to be a very New Orleans Saints season in that we are going to have the easiest schedule of all time. Mm -hmm. Maybe everybody stays healthy. And I think we're just going to kind of stink a little. Yeah. And that's what that's what we're going to be this season. Yeah. And it's not going to be fun or <laughs> will la- it the la- or will it. The last two years have been monumentally boring. Yeah. I think this is going to be similar but less frustrating. It will be interesting and it will be a team that I will want to keep up with if everybody stays healthy. Yeah. And then but they won't. And I if mean, there's any they're really old. Right. You think Tyron Matthews going to play 17 games? Maybe they you look... You think Demario Davis is going to play 17 games? No. Like, there's just no chance. Maybe they look slow because it's 120 degrees <laughs> and they're running around with beehives on their heads. That That is the one negative that is endlessly pointed out is how hot it is in practice. They have the inside thing. Yeah. Just go in there. I think they're starting to move some practices. Bring in everybody in there. Yeah. Or leave the fans outside and they can watch the inside on giant jumbotrons. <laughs> Roll out a jumbotron. Really, I mean, full on uh, meta uh, of, of what are you guys doing? That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. But yeah, I I don't think... You're, th- you're thinking Super Bowl. I, I, here's... I think two things. The two independent thoughts. Nuance is accepted in this Polk and Kush podcast studio. I think they're a pretty bad team. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to rank the teams in the NFL, one through 32, I'd probably put them on the underside of 16. Like, I, I would probably, I don't think they're a very good roster. Mm-hmm. However, I think they have the ability based on who they're playing and based on what is required to get in the postseason and the fact that if you win this shit division, you also get a home game for your first game. Mm-hmm. It probably gets a team better than you, but you get a home game. Then all you have to really do is win a home game and lightning in a bottle, win a road game, and you're right there. You're right there. To the same point that every the best Saints teams that we're at under Sean Payton for the last 15 years. That's where you're at. And then that will save New Orleans football culture. I don't know what it means for the future, but it's certainly, I think if they went to the NFC Championship, no one, even if the team isn't that good, mm-hmm. no one would say that season wasn't a success. Oh, of course. It would be a massive success. 99% of people are going to say winning the NFC South is a huge success, and, regardless of anything else. Yeah, I, and I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways they can win the division and come away with a failure of a season. Right. But that doesn't, you know, I I will disagree heavily with a lot of people on that. I think winning a four-team division is bullshit. Who cares? There was a lot of potential last season, and I feel like 
the potential is probably around the same this season. It's just the expectations have been tempered. Yeah. People are excited to have an actual quarterback in here, but mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it wasn't that long ago. We're talking about an Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Possibly Brady. Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, you know, yeah. superstar guys. Yeah. And now we have a, a mid-level yeah. quarterback. He's exactly, and where I'd rank him amongst starting quarterbacks in the NFL is right about where I'd put the Saints. Yeah. Slightly less, slightly worse than half the league. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere in the 16 to 20 category. Because believe me, no one's looking at the Saints on their schedule and saying, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Look out. Now, if Michael Thomas rediscovers, you know, uh, a bionic foot and is able to look exactly the way that he did (laughs) for those years and is able to, you know, convert third downs and everything changes like Taysom Hill is used in a much better way. Alvin Kamara is a very short suspension and, and, you know, is actually optimized for the second half of the season. There's ways in which this can work. I'm not saying it can't Mm -hmm. work. It's just not nearly the level at which it's being portrayed in the current moment. There are so many spots that are weaknesses. Who is on the defensive line besides Cam Jordan? Is Peyton Turner going to start a defensive end? That guy couldn't even be on the active roster last year. He was an active scratch as a first-round pick. They just weren't playing him. They were playing Marcus Davenport, who was openly taking dumps on the middle of the field. Like, he was playing (laughs) over Peyton Turner, who wasn't even dressed. Uh, So that guy is terrible. Is he the starter on the other side? Carl Granderson? Who's getting to the quarterback for this team? Who's on defensive tackle? Who is the most athletic player in the middle of the defense? Is it Pete Werner? Pete Werner, that's who you're going to count on to cover. You know, if you have to play George Kittle in the playoffs, that's who you're going to have to cover him with. Like, these are real questions that uh, just have gone almost completely unaddressed uh, through a week of training camp. And maybe it doesn't matter what the portrayal is. And it probably doesn't. This is a time to be excited and positive. And hey, look, football's back. But let's just be honest about Mm -hmm. what we're coming into and this is this is why we're not doing a show for the opening of training of course because this is all completely meaningless well i had one question that was answered by the saints and that was where is jimmy graham (laughs) (laughs) how come he's not in the subway commercial with all the guys saying pro form oh my god you got like alex smith in that commercial you can't have jimmy graham in there (laughs) now he's got to come back and play for the saints Jimmy, that's like, that's one of the most unbelievable storylines. If this guy comes back and is your starting tight end, that is not good. What about Taysom Hill? What about (laughs) Juana Man? (laughs) There's that other guy, what's his name? Foster Moreau. Yeah. He used to live next to his parents. Yeah, your neighbor, yeah. Uh, And so... And but that's been a big thing. Like Jimmy Graham looks great in seven on seven. It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. He's a great pass catcher. He's also very old. And he's gonna get hit a couple of times and have to block some, you know, lunatics. He's not blocking end. anybody. Yeah. And it's like he's gonna get hurt. Because of course he's gonna get hurt. Like this is this is they're crazy gonna, they're, to, to, no. to hinge any additional like leverage toward this team winning. Based on Jimmy Graham being there. He did not play last year. Jimmy Graham will be out there for red zones 
and uh, Hail Marys. Of blocking uh, extra points. Yeah. Really important extra points. He's, Maybe you put him out there to jump. He's going to be out there four plays a game. Maybe. <laughs> no one is happier about this than every woman who watches the Saints. Like... Instagram people that I didn't even know lived in Louisiana are like posting pictures of Jimmy Graham with like heart emojis over between Jimmy Graham and Lance Moore. That was it. Good man. lord. That was a that was a time where the the estrogen filled the Superdome uh during those days. I don't even know who the well Jimmy Graham is I guess the most attractive saints now. I don't know I don't know who who would be behind him. I don't know. This Jake Hayner fella, he's uh, he's got the, the swoosh hair. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he considers himself to be a bit of a male model. I'm in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He did the wacky uh, yeah. headshots, whatever mm-hmm. they call them. Sure. Yeah. For the trading cards. For the trading cards. Yes. Because who couldn't miss their Jake Hayner? Is his name Jake? Jake? <laughs> Is it actually Jake Hayner? Or I'm, I know it's Hayner. <laughs> I think I might be have it gotten his feels first, like it's correct. I might have gotten his name wrong. You've been the last you've been, thirty minutes. Here. You have been really drilling it into my head. <laughs> I can't even think. It's like how my my dad called Peja Piga for like <laughs> Stojakovic. I was like, how long are you going to pronounce <laughs> his name wrong before I start to think that's what his name is? Yeah, it's bad. Um, <laughs> Are you going to go to a preseason game? I think there's two at home this year. I had an invite to one, which uh-huh. I declined. Yeah? That was Sunday. There's Sunday noon. This was the uh, Texans game. Okay. I think that's the second one. It's the second. It's second the one final yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Second one at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's always a big bag of shit. I mean, the final preseason game against the Texans. Yeah. Sunday night. It's, come, oh, it's Sunday night? Yeah. Yeah. The, the Chiefs game is in... Next Sunday, yeah, at home at noon, which I think is great. That's perfect. Yeah, but I don't want to cut into my. I'm watching 60 Minutes on Sunday <laughs> at 7 p.m. I can't cut into my uh, being totally anxious about having to go to work. Tomorrow. <laughs> go drink 12 $18 Miller Lights. I can't. I, I really. Uh, I. I it, Cutting in on my anxiety. I, I'm not ready. I can't have preseason football <laughs> interrupting all the negative voices in my head talking about how I'm going to get fired. <laughs> can't, can't have that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll probably bring my kids out there. It's a perfect kids event. They should actually to the like, Chiefs game. Yeah, well, yeah, that one for sure at noon. And then even the Sunday night. I mean, I might bring a kid. Yeah. For like a quarter. Maybe Uber there. So your vehicle remains safe. <laughs> Park underneath the Superdome. Yeah. How much can I get? The Brandon Ingram entrance. Yeah, exactly. Where he smokes weed in his car. <laughs> he pulls right in there, opens the door. It's like Cheech and Chong. Uh, so that's our Saints take. They might be, uh, they might win, but we don't think they're good. And uh, I think that's uh, I think that's basically going to be our take for the whole season. So the, the ceiling for this team could be NFC championship realistically yeah. and uh it could also be three wins sure yeah i, I could see them you could say that for most, for most teams, teams in the NFL they're right like and that's the thing they're smack in between i think uh, what we looked at it last week they have like the fifth or sixth best odds to win the NFC mm-hmm. cuz the NFC is full of bad quarterbacks right who's the who's the 
best quarterback in the NFC besides Jalen Hurts? Um, There's really not anybody. There's got to be somebody. Uh, Jared Goff? Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Brock Purdy? Like, I mean, you're just, there's just not that many guys. Mm-hmm. They're all in the AFC. So it's, uh, it almost feels like kind of the NFC is like kind of a minor league at this stage. Yeah. Which is great. The Saints are much more likely to win the minor league than they are to win the, the major league. That's so, true. Uh, and so it's the reason I don't totally hate the strategy of what they're doing. I did it first because it's like, oh, if you're going to do this, like just tear everything down, reload, go get Caleb Williams, go build a team to win the Super Bowl. And it's like, you don't you got to take advantage while this conference is so far down. Mm -hmm. And so I actually do understand the pivot into this. So I was emotional when they were first signing (laughs) Derek Carr. And I do not think he's good. Don't mistake that, that I think he's very good. But I actually do understand why they would make the pivot when they did. This is a podcast about growing learning from experiences <laughs> and sometimes things change yeah i think that's a very adult thing i think so too uh so we'll take a quick break we'll get into a little bit of local news and uh catch you on the flippity flip right here on polk and kush it is you put pass in a swamp, and that's Nolan's in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> well, I'm still here. Yes, sir. It yeah. seems like uh, I might be in the minority a tad, <laughs> as people have been uh, very publicly leaving New Orleans recently. <laughs> yeah. Giving breakup letters, letters mm-hmm. to the editors. It's very uplifting every day. You go turn on your computer and... The, the smart people are departing and then telling everyone that, hey, if you're still here, you got a problem because <laughs> we're leaving because this place is so messed up. Uh, do you guys not see it or? Yeah. Uh, well, it, j- it just seems to be like uh, I know like houses right now are more affordable than they have been, ever, at, least, at least like purchasing a house, sure. but yeah. like property taxes, insurance, stuff like that is through the roof. Yeah. I'm guessing a lot of this is because of people leaving, like the people writing letters and then mm-hmm. just like Airbnbs. Yep. All that stuff's drying up. I think the real estate market uh, was a little overcooked uh-huh. and now it'll probably be a little undercooked. And that's that I honestly is probably the only silver lining of living in a dying city mm-hmm. is that it will at some point be more affordable to live here. Whose house are you, are you going to buy? Are you going to buy <laughs> Ashley Longshore? What's her yeah, name? I could buy her house. Yeah. That sounds like it'd be good. I, th- I feel like she lives in the Barbie house, the Barbie <laughs> mansion, probably. But yes. it just says like, yeah, bitch, we eat gumbo in here. Whatever art was. <laughs> yeah, she announced she's moving, uh, closing up shop and moving to New York, which probably should have happened a long time ago. But she's a successful artist, and <clears throat> people were big mad that she uh, said anything um, and did anything. Apparently, she was racist and mean, and I don't know. The, the people got very upset. That's why you bought her art, <laughs> right? <laughs> people got very 
very upset uh, about anything about her. Once her name got brought up, it was just a beehive of insults uh, flown at her and, and good riddance, of course. You know, it's like, oh, my God, someone, you know, who actually sells stuff and can afford, you know, to have a thing on magazine that maybe people might want to visit. Um, God forbid we have that. So uh, she's gone. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, then Bruce Nolan, who was a former editor uh, of the Times-Picayune, uh, obviously a very thoughtful person, wrote an extremely eloquent uh, op-ed uh, where he kind of expressed, like, it's hard to be 75 years old here. My family's not here because they all have jobs in Houston. Uh, it's The city is not going in a direction that seems good. It seems like we've sort of lost our way. And... Uh, the response to his eloquent, thoughtful, purposeful response was too many words. That's too many. I'm not reading that. Fuck you. Get out, bitch. Oh, you're going to Houston <laughs> like they don't have hurricanes. And I was like, people didn't either a didn't read it or B just didn't like the message of like, hey, things are really like you should probably look at this as a whole mm -hmm. and realize how bad things are getting here. And uh, this is like a sobering moment. And instead, it, the idiots, of course, uh, just jumped down his throat about how awful he is. I thought it was one of the better things I have read in a long time. And uh, I credit him for doing it because, of course, all he did was just catch a mountain of shit. Yeah, and, you know, he's... 75 he's kind of been a paragon of new orleans news forever yeah. mm -hmm. and to come forward with that is you know i'm sure it was very difficult for him yeah and uh you know when people get upset at any sort of like open letter or statement just like well you you don't have to read it <laughs> no, and you don't have to comment you don't have to this, this isn't He's not on Joe Rogan. He's not being broadcast to 300 million people. Yeah. He's on a news website that you don't pay for. Yeah. So you have to click, like, you have to keep refreshing it and reading, like, two sentences. All you have to do is click reader view. I know. That's but it. This is your boss. I'm not trying to get you fired. Not anymore. All right. Well. <laughs> Sponsored by Caesars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, are you going to write a letter when we move yes, to, uh, when, the, when Polk Franklin, Tennessee, <laughs> when Polk and Kush opens up in the suburbs of Chattanooga, uh, we'll be there. Um, yeah, the, the, the response being like, you're an idiot mm -hmm. or you're selfish or, or how dare you write that many words? Or how dare the that, well, the other one I saw was like how why would the paper need to print this? Is there nothing else going on? It's like w this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. Smart people are leaving the city, leaving you to be the only people here. <laughs> but then I'll be a smart person because all the other ones are gone. <laughs> and it's a newspaper filled of ninety percent trash, or it's on the internet. Yeah. Which is 99.5% trash. What is the newspaper now? It's just like everyone shot. That's the front page. Everyone yeah. shot. The second page is uh, Marmaduke comic. <laughs> and then like gumbo recipes. Yeah. yeah what else is there? God forbid. Yeah. We took half a page of the newspaper to, to let this guy who has seen generations of the city come and go 
and uh, and sees it from like a really visceral level explain what he thinks is going on. God forbid we lend that person any perspective. <laughs> Let's just let people yell at him for too many words and that, hey, why are you moving to Houston where your kids are? There's hurricanes there too, idiot. He's like, yeah, but there's also traffic lights. <laughs> yeah, and oh, my kids are there. <laughs> what a loser. Yeah, it's like, what a douchebag. I was like, oh, I, it really made me so angry, the response to it. And some of the response by people who I generally respect, like the guy who runs the lens, or whatever, I was like, what are we doing here? I was like, we're really going to dunk on this 75-year-old guy <laughs> who is obviously... Well, what can he do about it? Yeah, He's it, not. It's, like, it's just crazy that that was the response. And then the one who I think did get the most uh, reaction on their side, because it wasn't a city issue, it was, was a state issue, is uh, there was a, a gay doctor who's actually... I know the family, uh, a gay family, um, and they have two kids... And they're basically moving to New York because of the LGBT laws that Mm -hmm. passed from the state level and basically saying that this is something that I think all gay families need to be paying attention to and that it's problematic. And I think that one caught more people by attention, not only because it's a doctor, it's also because it's like laws that come down from the right wing side of the state, which is like just as just as stupid, if not more stupid than all the things we criticize the left for in New Orleans. The stuff that goes on in the state politics on that side of things is absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. Absolutely insane. Whenever I leave New Orleans, I feel like Bernie Sanders. And whenever <laughs> whenever I come back to New Orleans, I feel like Mitt Romney. <laughs> That's the truest sentence I've ever heard. And when I was up in Russell, I was like, these fucking hicks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They don't know I'm a communist. And then I get back here. And I'm like, we should just put homeless people in jail. God, clip it. That's beautiful. That's exactly how I feel. It's it is I'm a I'm a man without a home. Because I think I think you're all stupid. And left, right, I think you're all dumb. And uh, that's the platform that I stand on. But yeah, anyway, there you go. There was a lot of that going on this week of people telling us they were leaving and then a lot of people responding to it. Well, there is somebody that is leaving, and it is probably uh, this this police chief, <laughs> the interim chief, Michelle Woodfort, uh, she's best friends with LaToya. Yes. Long-time listener, loyal subscriber. <laughs> she's the one that gave us the four-star review. Yeah, she started the Patreon. Um, a lot of people are speculating that these police chiefs that are in the search, one of them is uh, the creator of Lilith Fair, uh, seriously she's just like some old librarian who they put a cop suit on this woman hates the police if you look at this woman you go oh yeah she hates the police she weaves baskets in portland and it's her and then it's a fellow who some have said looks like carl winslow and uh this guy uh and what's his name he's from nevada yeah, All I, I know one fact about him, and it's I, not his first name. Cedric Andrus. Are you saying, are you giving an accent to that, or is that his name is Cedric? T-H-E-D-R-I-C-K. <laughs> okay, I thought you were saying Cedric in a uh, 
different manner. Yeah, no. His, okay. I think his name is Thedrick. Okay. Um, which you say with a lisp, Thedrick. <laughs> yes. Andrus. This is the guy who's in the top three candidates to get the job. He um, was like, didn't like the constituents vote like no contest to reelecting him in Nevada. There was some kind of like vote and people like just voted like we don't care. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, just not you. That's like what they did with George Shin and yeah. the Hornets. They were like, we'll build an arena, but not for you. <laughs> so this guy is the front runner over the the lady who weaves baskets <laughs> uh, while listening to Alanis Morissette. <laughs> she really does look like so many of my friends' moms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Michelle Woodfork, who has the big boy haircut. Yes. And questionable record <laughs> yes and no record really um i don't know if the school i guess the scores were released for these people how they were graded mm-hmm. and there were no real details around it um, shocking but the leader is the man who killed someone in self-defense after a homophobic slur was uh yelled on a party bus which we've all been there. What a sentence. <laughs> That's the police chief. The front runner. We've all been there. We've all been there. Who didn't kill a guy? Let he who hasn't yelled the F word on a party bus and then shot someone cast the first stone. Yeah, that sounds great. Good Lord. So, I mean... It has Hopefully to be. he doesn't get elected because he's going to come arrest me immediately. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think if there's any job I'd rather have less uh, that pays what this job pays than the police chief of New Orleans. That is a horrible, horrible rotten gig. It's not good, and uh, we're not going to have a good candidate for it. And I'm guessing... I think it will probably still be Woodfort because at this point, Latoya just there's no consequence for anything she does. So why wouldn't she just say we're going with my friend? Hundred percent. Which is what's going to happen. That's what's happening in the whole city. She's just doing whatever she wants, and we're all just saying, "What are we going to do about it?" Yeah, I mean, God bless Lee Zurich. Yeah, and he, you know, every couple of weeks he goes back after it, and everybody goes, "Man, that's really crazy, Lee." Well, I'm just going to watch Beat Shazam now and never think about uh, what she's doing ever again. Yep. That's that's basically what it is. I'm going to I'm going to care about this for about five seconds and then you're totally powerless. Maybe I'll post a social media thing that says you're the worst. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the that's the worst brunch you'll feel of anything. That's going to be it. Yeah. So uh, I'm certain whoever she wants to get it will get it, and then she'll explain it, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, we live in a city where you can't really rely on a lot of stuff. Power. Uh, my internet was out most of yesterday. The power goes off pretty frequently. Um, one thing you can rely on, mm-hmm. speed cameras, and oh, they are nice. back. Uh, New Orleans school zone speed cameras returned today, August 1st. Uh, City Hall says 10 other cameras were damaged uh, in Hurricane Ida are also to resume operations. So they did get some stuff fixed. They uh, haven't (laughs) taken your garbage out. There's still bodies floating in your backyard. 
But uh, the the speeding zone uh, tickets are back. <laughs> I drive past four of these to get to my kids to school every day. It's a lot of them on Carrollton. Yep. Three of them on Poydras. Uh, yeah, all the all the big players are here. Um, City Hall <laughs> announcement said driving is the most dangerous activity that New Orleans engage in every day. <laughs> Uh, I would think it would be the shooting and murdering of people, but I, sometimes that happens while people are driving. I'd say walking after 9 p.m. anywhere in the city limits. The traffic camera safety program is a critical component of the city's efforts to reduce speeding and improve safety on our streets, especially for our children. Um, another statement that I am making up but is true is that uh, traffic cameras only punish the Mm law-abiding and people who run over and hurt other people in their vehicles do not have license plates. And if they do, it could be yours from a vehicle they've stolen. Yes. It's just such an obvious money grab that they are now trying to pretend is for safety. It's from 2.45 to 4.45. Mm-hmm. What school's getting out at 4.40? Well, maybe they're in 4-H. <laughs> 4.45. They've got Girl Scouts after school. What or, school is getting out at that time? 9 a.m. Yeah. It stops at 9 a.m. Between 8.30 and 9, how many schools are starting at that time? I don't Almost know. Almost none. But they know there's a lot of cars on the road who will mm-hmm. go by these school zones with no kids around and will go 24 miles an hour. And you can send them a $75 bill, and they'll pay it. Yeah. You send it to Baltimore, Maryland, or Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah. somewhere that's not New Orleans. No, because it's been contracted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I uh, get those tickets, I just write back, I'm homeschooled. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in school zones. It's against my religion. The only positive thing about them is that they don't go against your insurance. Mm. So it's not considered a moving violation. But they are criminal. I mean, they really are, I think, one of the the most... You can't fight it. And they are tracking you going between 23 and 24 miles an hour. My car will say 23. The camera catches me going 24. Yeah. That's a $75 difference. Mm -hmm. Come on. Like, this is... It is an absolute load of horseshit. And it is endless. And there are so... Many of them, and a lot of them are on big streets where they're not really all that close to schools. Yeah, and it is—it's uh, such a, a, a disgusting money grab in the way that a lot of other things in the city are disgusting money grabs. But this one makes you feel particularly infuriated going through them. I cannot imagine. I can believe that these things are up and running. Can take a picture of your license plate. I cannot imagine that these things are calibrated yeah. regularly, that they're tested. To the individual mile per hour. How would you? And like, I understand. So it's the 20, it used to be, they just changed. It was 26 you could go mm-hmm. in a 20 mile an hour school zone. And then they just, without announcing it, lowered it mm-hmm. to 23 you could go. And it was like, out of nowhere, a million people got tickets. And it was like, this is so disgusting, and Latoya, of course, has no answer for it. She ran on a platform of getting rid of these. They don't exist anywhere else in the area. They don't have in St. Bernard Parish. They don't have in St. Tammany Parish. They don't have in Jefferson Parish. But once you enter Orleans Parish, mm-hmm. you are in a net of school zone cameras where they are going to charge you basically a toll to drive through any time between 7 and 9 a.m. or 2.45 to 4.45. 
And then when your car gets stolen and the people drive through all of these traffic, <laughs> this has happened to yeah, people. Of course, yeah. Then they are responsible for the tickets yeah. because an officer didn't pull them over. Nobody's yep. ID was checked, but your car sped through those things. That's all they have. That's all they come with. Yeah. So instead of, you know, stopping one of the uh, 90% of drivers who are texting while they're going through the various red lights that they're going through uh, in I mean, if you just drive in the city, people are driving horribly and mm-hmm. they're weaving through lanes and they're, you know, nobody really is looking at the road for any period of time. They've got, you know, three-year-olds sitting in the front seat you know, <laughs> with their you know, feet on the feet on the dash. Like there's nobody ever getting stopped for any of these crimes. Yeah. But 24 miles an hour around one of 600 schools in the city. That's where you get people getting ticketed. That's really good way to enforce law. That's a that's a really practical, smart way, and that is why my op ed to the Times Picayune will be coming in. <laughs> I'm not being hyperbolic. I do not recall the last time I saw a police officer uh, on the side of the road having pulled someone over in like a in except in like accidents. I haven't seen. Yeah. I've lived back in the city for three plus years now. I lived here for 10 years before that. I've never seen a police officer pull someone over for speeding. I rarely see law enforcement on the interstate. Yeah. Um, But yet I still drive the speed limit because I'm a neurotic old man. (laughs) And I think I'm going to be the one that they'll get. Yeah. uh, There's state police sometimes on airline. I've Mm -hmm. seen that. I've seen them pull people over for speeding, like by Metairie Country Club at a mm-hmm. golf course, because it does feel like a super speedway where it's like four lanes. Yeah, yeah, I live yeah. at the Country Club. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're coming from like Orleans into Jefferson. That stretch, there's because uh, the the golf course is very long. Um, so that's the only place I've ever seen it. But meanwhile, I've been behind, literally like driving next to an NOPD cop, and we are both behind a gang of ATVs driving down Broad Street. And the cop just stayed behind him. Oh, yeah. I was like, really? <laughs> They're like doing donuts. The cop is right behind him. I was like, you're not going to hit the flashers even. At least maybe, those... you know, do something to like stop. It's like, no, yeah. just totally. It was like there's a police escort. <laughs> so that's that's living in New Orleans these days. Fantastic. Oh, man. Thank you also very much for listening to this episode and for sticking with us as we go through our season of sporadic uh please like rate subscribe do all of the things polk and kush at gmail.com polk and kush at gmail.com if you want to reach us also on twitter at polk and kush at polk a-n-d-k-u-s-h we will see you all very very soon thank you very much see ya.